to Spirited Conversations. I'm your host, Terry Kennedy. Over the years, friends, family, colleagues, and sometimes complete strangers have shared personal stories with me of encounters with departed loved ones or with unknown entities that couldn't be explained away. These stories have always intrigued me, both personally as a person of faith and professionally as a researcher. Through this podcast, I seek to share and honor these experiences. This first episode of Spirited Conversations is aptly called, You Were My First. So Patricia, let's start with a story you shared with me several years ago about a candle. Um, this, this one particular story is about a candle and it was um, quite a while ago. I, I was an adult and um, I lived in an all rock house. It was an old house in an old neighborhood. And I found after this episode that things like this had happened a number of times for lots of different people, not in this particular house, but in this neighborhood. So my brother brought a friend unexpectedly and they came to spend the night. We were talking and visiting. And um, for another reason, we went down into the basement which was not really a basement. It was a kind of almost a crawl hole, but it was taller. And I had heard what I thought was spirits in the basement. And so um, my brother's friend said he would go down and see if he could ask them to leave. And after we were down there a little while, we came back up and we're sitting in the living room and just, just talking about everything, not even talking about that anymore. And I was sitting on a rug on the floor and um, to my left, when I was looking at my brother, to my left was a TV and on top of it was a large candle, a large heavy candle on a large heavy um, stand. And all of a sudden out of uh, the uh, side of my eye, I saw movement and we all, we didn't say anything, but uh, we all turned toward this um, candle. And it had picked itself up off of the television, gone up in the air, came traveling across the room and set itself down right in front of my face. So did it actually float across the room or yes, how I, would you describe the movement? It was like floating. It, it was um, a pulsar guy. And that was what it did. It just, it picked itself up. There was not, nothing jerky or uh, it just, it, it, it came as though that's exactly where it wanted to be. And of course, uh, the three of us talked about that a little bit and wondered what it was, why, it, what it was doing and, if it was trying to say something to us or to stay out of the basement or, or to come back, <laughs> we really didn't know. But we, um, it was very interesting and just took our breath away. So, yeah. So how did you feel 
having observed that, I mean, what was your, do you, do you remember like in the moment what your reaction was? Um, I felt fine. I wasn't afraid of it. I had um, heard of poltergeists before, but I had never seen one. And it was just kind of awe, you know, just my goodness, look at this. So the fact that you even knew to call it a poltergeist kind of leads me to believe that this wasn't your first time, even though hearing the story was my first time. So mm -hmm. can you remember like your own personal first time experiencing something, you know, that you just couldn't quite explain away? about two miles from my grandparents and I spent lots of time with my grandparents and um, it was a probably early morning but before the sun even started to come up and I woke up and outside my bedroom door was my grandfather my great-grandfather's old desk and my grandmother had taken off her apron and laid it across the desk and the apron strings were um, hanging down. And she had done that as she left my room to go to her room with my grandfather. And I looked and I saw, first I saw the apron and then I saw the strings of little ties for the, the uh, apron turning into flames of fire. Wow. And I was startled. I know that I called my grandmother after a, a little while because it was just, it wasn't going any further. It was just flames of fire up these ties. And she came in and looked at it and she said, no, Patricia, this is just my apron. And just about that moment, there, we heard a car in the driveway. And it was my parents and my little baby brother. And they came in and we all went in. I think my father picked me up and we went into the living room. My grandparents you know, got up and covered themselves with robes and things. And we went into the living room and my father started saying to me, oh, Patricia, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Our house burned down. Oh my goodness. And all we could get out of the house for just very few things. And I put your mother out of the window holding your little brother and told her to drive to the, to the road because we had a propane tank and he was afraid that it would explode. And he just got, gathered a few little things. And he said, all of your books, because he was quite an extensive reader. And it taught me at a very early age that books were just, the whole entrance to the world and he just kept for a long time saying how sorry he was he would rebuild my little library and theirs that was my first experience so your mother and your father and your little brother were safe and my brother was just a little babe maybe maybe a year old or a little old yes it had to be a little bit older than a year but he still slept in a crib in their room. If I would have been home, I would have already been on fire and my room was go almost gone 
before they woke up because it, we found that it was a hot water heater that somehow exploded and it was closer to my room and the fire had not touched their room and everything was, you know, it was a, a wooden house and everything was burning very quickly. Oh my gosh. So your grandmother's apron, was it in the house or was that <laughs> just an image, do you think? No, it was in the house. The apron itself was laying on my grandfather's desk and the ties were laying, they had, were off the side of the desk, you know, just hanging down and the apron was really there and I saw fire. I saw fire. So how old would you have been at this time, Patricia? Um, about five. So did you have some other experiences like between that and the candle incident? Yes. Um, it, my, both, my, both of my grandmothers and my mother um, knew things before they were going to happen sometimes. They, they usually were uh, something bad happening, unfortunately, but they would know that and then it would be true that it would be happening at that time. And that was my first interest about, you know, a, a time of seeing it. I, um, I wasn't afraid. I was just interested. And I don't know, I had probably heard them talking, but I don't remember that. But it, we always talked about things like that later. And they didn't, um, they didn't tell me that, you know, that fire couldn't have been there while we were probably asleep. They just kind of took it for granted that I had seen the fire. So by virtue of their talking about this with you at, at a really early age, it sort of normalized it. It was like, well, this is mm -hmm. what happens in families. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of, it was actually explained to me that a brain is a wonderful thing. And we really don't know much about it. And we knew even less then. And some people are more open to certain other paths in their brain than others and connections. So um, that was my first one. Another was I was married and my husband's uh, sister and brother-in-law had come to visit and we went to a movie. And I, right now I can't even remember the name of the movie, but it was just a movie, you know? Um, nothing scary. Nothing. And all of a sudden I, I saw my brother and I saw him falling from a pickup. And I grabbed my husband and I said, you know, my brother's just fallen. He's been really hurt. And they didn't live there. They lived about oh, 800 miles away. And um, we didn't have cell phones or all those kind of connections. And I couldn't convince anyone that I really needed to go home and get to a telephone. And um, so after the movie went home, 
And we didn't have voicemail or anything like that, but my mother had been trying and trying to call me. And what had happened is my brother and some friends had gone out in the country and were just driving around and goofing off as young teenagers will do. And he had fallen out and hit on his head and he was unconscious. And at that time, we didn't know if he, he would live or not. And uh, the good news is he did. The on, only thing that happened is that for the first time, he had to wear glasses. <laughs> okay, okay. It all was well, but um, it took a few, about a week before we knew he was going to be okay. So it seems as if you have this gift for premonitions. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it seems as if they're kind of heralding things that um, have happened that are unforeseen and dangerous, really. Mm -hmm. Have you had have you had any premonitions that you can recall that were outside of the range of that that were telling you something good that might be happening, something positive, or do they tend to be more like warnings? I don't remember anything that was quite like that that was positive. At least for me, I remember and, and see things and, and feel things that are not totally positive. There have been some, there have been some minor things that I've known where something was wrong, but it wasn't catastrophic. And then after um, my candle, my husband and I went uh, over to a friend's house and we played penny any poker. And everybody that played in this group kept a big jar of pennies. Nobody really wanted to take the things home. We just <laughs> shared. We were young married couples with little children. And we had to do this on, you know, a, a low <laughs> money scale. So we played the penny any poker and had a, a fine time. And my husband and I were the, the last ones to leave. And we were still talking to our good friends. And they lived in the same neighborhood, too. And we walked over. And we were standing by the door and uh, talking. And, and my husband had started to open the door. And all of a sudden, this big jar of pennies that had been actually it sat on the fireplace. And it came up and come on, came over. And there was a desk right near the door that sat down there and just sat there. <laughs> how did, how did the other, so you were kind of used to that. How did other people react that time? Um, well, my friend, uh, she had lived there longer than we had. And she uh, told me that yeah, that night they stopped to talk and I said that this area was known for some supernatural kinds of happenings and um, they had seen some things and heard some things too so we didn't really know why but a lot of the houses were quite old and this little bit of a hill had been there for a long time when we lived in that neighborhood actually there were Business people that lived there, a lot of college professors because it was close to the college, some students, but mostly people who were not 
of college age that were there. And uh, so the, we heard other stories while we were there. And, and it was just, okay, I don't know why this is here. I wasn't afraid of the candle, even though it was coming straight for me. I wasn't afraid of the, the big jar of pennies. I, I was just amazed that it could pick up like that, either one of them, and come across a room. And I think with the second one, it was, it was very nice. It was, my goodness, this is the second time I've had this, you know, this wonderful experience. So you know me long enough to know that I'm the queen of bad puns. So I keep thinking, do you think it, it didn't portend something negative that time, but do you think it was pennies oh, from yes. heaven? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. I, I warned you. So that was my giving you, you know, some premonition to portend a bad pun to come. Well, that's all right, because when I see a penny, I always do think it's uh, consciously think, oh, this is a penny from heaven. So. <laughs> somehow I, I somehow I knew that. Yes. So, Patricia, I understand that um, you were living in a stone house in those days, and I don't know what the houses your neighbors lived in were constructed of, but my understanding is that stone has a tendency to hold on to memories mm-hmm. and um, images and, you know, kind of loops of things that have happened in the past. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just wondering, you know, kind of what your thoughts were about having those experiences. Um, one of the things is, this was a um, high desert city, and it had lots of stones and rocks. So um, most of the earlier houses were built with that rather than wood. You know, it was expensive to get wood across a desert. And it was, it's also a place that has a stone fences. Even to this day, every house has a stone fence around it. So um, I, I know that the stones were old. And if they do gather memories, then they had gathered many, many memories for a long time. So did you ever have any, any other kinds of things that happened there other than mm-hmm. things? In that house? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. When I first moved there, um, I was there by myself. My children were with my mother in another town, and uh, it was summertime, and so they were having a visit with their grandmother, and then they came home, and the first night that they were home, um, they always wanted to sleep with me. You know, if I wouldn't have remarried, I think they would have slept with me. <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Yeah. We <laughs> just cuddled up with the animals and everything. Well, my bedroom had a door that opened onto the kitchen, as well as a little hall that, that went to the second bedroom. So we were there asleep. Once again, it was night, had a, a full moon, and or, or very close to a full moon. So the, the house where well, the lights were off, you could see pretty well. And 
on right on the other side of my door, there was the kitchen and then there was a door to that basement area. So I heard some noise over there and we were, we were the only ones in the house. And then we looked, look, I looked over and the children woke up and the door opened and this spirit being, my feeling was it was a woman and um, covered with something white. Didn't look like a ghost so much as some like a veil and things like that. And it didn't feel that once again, you didn't feel any, I didn't feel any hostility or, but it was just amazing. And then the door closed and she walked through the kitchen. She walked through our little dining room. She walked to the front door, opened the door, or the door opened and she left. So did you actually see an image or was it more that you sensed a presence? I felt that I saw that image. It was, um, it was a muted image, but I, not of the door opening. That was, and she didn't touch, or this spirit did not touch the door, but she, it seemed that you could almost see through her, but not exactly. And then the front door opened before she got there. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. My, your, my mind might have played tricks on it, but the children saw that too. It was mine, mine. Well, so you had some verification. So do you remember like the kind of clothing she was wearing? Was it like contemporary or kind of period mm. clothing? Um, I would think of it as it, it was filmy. So it wasn't heavy, you know, but it, it um, looked like the clothing that the um, Middle Eastern women wear, uh, but, um, but lighter and not heavy. But her face was covered. She was covered, but it, it didn't look, wasn't, it was just floating around her. Right, right. So just, I'm just curious, so, Again, this is the first episode of this podcast, and um, just the fact that I'm doing this is I will probably have some people wondering about me, uh-huh. and I know that there are some folks who may be interested in this topic who did not grow up where these experiences were normalized. So I'm wondering, what would you share with those people who maybe have had experiences, but they're maybe feeling discomfort about them or they, they're, they're thinking something's wrong with them or they must be misperceiving something. What would, what would you, you know, want to say to those individuals? Well, I would go back to, we don't know everything about the world and we certainly don't know everything about our mind. And hopefully not to feel afraid of something like that. But there are maybe more people who would um, 
think there was something wrong with them rather than the image. And I, I don't share this with just anyone. I really don't because I um, don't want to experience, have a negative experience because of someone thinking I'm crazy. I may be crazy. I may be crazy. Yes, I am crazy, but not about this. Right. But right. it is a danger. You need to be careful who you are willing to share it with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, someone might just have an inquisitive mind and not really believe it, but believe that you saw it and, and it was not a delusion as such. It could have been from lots of things. So, so I've got a couple of other things I'm just wondering about. What, but one is also you mentioned early on that you felt it was poltergeist activity. And the house that we live in currently, um, I'm having poltergeist activity. And my understanding oh. of that is that the people living in the house are actually sometimes the source of that activity. So I'm just curious, sort of what is your understanding of like the source of poltergeist and, um, and how you've, you've framed that over the years? I know that a magician could do something like that because there are very physical means of doing things like that where you can be fooled and not see it or something so like a sleight of hand uh, yes or um, something moving it something that comes from a camera from a a computer all sorts of things that happen now now i don't know exactly what you meant by one of the thoughts about poltergeist that the people that live in the house cause this to happen some way but with their mind or something rather than the yeah, and, and I think I'm trying to understand that too. So I'm just sort of curious because I'm trying to understand if the activity that we're experiencing is my first gut instinct is it's a spirit that's in the house. Um, but then I wondered, am I usually they say adolescents cause it, and I'm definitely well beyond that. <laughs> so um, but I I've just I'm trying to learn, you know, like what might cause those kinds of I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We didn't have an adolescent in the house. (laughs) And and neither did the other couple. Is there some sort of, could there be some sort of thing that we can't prove right now, but something like lightning or thunder, but not something in our atmosphere that would have caused that and was there because of where these, this little, village of houses where they were. I mean, that's possible too, that there's some things we don't know. And I know you well enough to know that you are a person who operates on faith, but also critical reasoning. And so you've probably thought through all of these things. So so, so I, I think my first instinct is, you know, that the person who's doing the activity in my house is possibly a prior resident of the house who has figured out how to, you know, move things. Mm-hmm. My, I've also wondered if it's somebody that I brought with me and yes. that they're trying to get my attention or, you know, trying to give me a message or... Mm-hmm trying to give me like a sign, like a reassuring sign, because I'm 
you know, I'm one of those people who's a big believer in signs. Mm -hmm. And then more recently, I've wondered, I wonder if I'm causing it, but you know, I really don't know the answer. So I, I, I guess I was just curious, like, as you thought about those experiences over the years, you know, kind of what was your gut instinct about was what was causing like the candle to move and the pennies to move? You know, in the, in the beginning, I, I had no idea, no idea. I just know that it happened mm -hmm. and I've seen it twice. Was it something in the, our atmosphere or, you know, things do happen that way. I, I tried using critical thinking a lot. I mean, that's where I started with that, the poltergeist thing. Right. Very much with that. And my instinct is to say that I think it was something, a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. spirit. But my critical brain cannot explain it in any way, shape, or form. And I think what's so important about that is that when we are trying to do the critical thinking piece, we don't trust our instincts, which are often mm -hmm. on target. Mm -hmm. And so knowing you as I know you, and for as long as I've known you, my, I would put my jar of pennies on <laughs> your instincts. <laughs> <laughs> and if I've done it, I must have lost the power to do it. <laughs> because nothing's moving oh. well um, and do you ever wonder like did you have the ability to do so you haven't had things move since then is it was it did it stop after you moved out of that neighborhood or yes mm -hmm. I've had things that I say I have gremlins but this is just I'm sure the natural, I mean, even when I was younger and I had something and I was sure it was right here, but it wasn't. And then I would come back and there it is. But I'm sure that was just coincidence. I was looking quickly or something, but I, I haven't mm -hmm. seen anything really move. We'll laugh about the gremlins who come out. <laughs> yeah, I get technological gremlins. I always joke that I've got a little Yuri Geller in me because I've broken keys that nobody should have broken, you know, those industrial strength ones they have. Yes, yes. <laughs> so maybe more. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you, you be afraid, be very, very afraid. So let me, let me ask you this, Patricia. Okay. So um, again, this is my first podcast episode and I, I really want people who agree to participate or consider participating to feel comfortable. So mm -hmm. um, there's a concept these days called psychological safety. And um, mm -hmm. it's really about knowing that there's trust, that whatever you've experienced is going to be honored, that you're not going to be shamed, you're not going to be made to feel less than Mm -hmm. um, but that it's that your experience is really going to be accepted as at face value, mm -hmm. whatever your experience is. How, how do you feel I can make sure people know that they are safe sharing stories? I, I think that just your demeanor and saying those things, I think goes a long way. And using some way of 
uh, poss possibly veiling who they are. We spoke earlier, you know, there are people who might do something harmful, even if it's just to tell someone about this person doing this. Right. Or it might be worse. We live in a strange world sometimes. I'm, I'm not being paranoid, but I think that's true. And even though um, I wouldn't want everyone that knows me to know this, it would have to be someone that I trust or I hear other things or, you know, join in. I think the one that sounds, that I've told you, that sounds the most strange to me is the, the being that I thought was a spirit and a woman. Well, and again, you've, you've really, you know, shared a range of experiences. So, you know, really premonitions that were very personal and very pertinent and very timely mm -hmm. and right on target. And then objects moving that mm -hmm. you've talked about bell book and candle. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know if you realize that, but you covered all three fronts. So now you know, I, just... now I realize it. I didn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the one that is most accepted mm -hmm. would be a connection between people where you might somehow feel intuitively that something isn't right. Whether whether or that something there's something going on with that person. And and I think again, the fact that what you shared, each one of those things really happened. How many times do we have like a feeling, an instinct, a premonition, an intuition. And we overthink yes. and we second guess and we don't act on it. And if we mm -hmm. would have acted on it, what the outcome might have been, that yes. something different could have happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, um, with people that we are very close to, our good friends, family, some of us, tend to pick up on certain signals that are very easy for us to pick up, but someone who was not looking for that or not open for that wouldn't see at all. I'm going to ask you one other thing about this because I have a, a really good friend who is worried that by even associating with this podcast, that it's going to open them up to like negative experiences and, and things that they don't know how to handle. Like negative so, experiences from the spirit? From spirit, or... yeah. And, and I guess I'm just wondering for those who may have that worry, is there something that you have found in, in your life and in your experiences that has helped, you know, kind of protect you from things that were negative or, or where you've been able to set some boundaries, some healthy boundaries with spirit? I think you can protect yourself. I think you have the ability to either allow this or not. And I don't see this as uh, like a horror house, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't like horror houses. I get frightened. <laughs> Me so, too. Me too. So, so I think that you can either allow it or you can shield yourself from it. I do feel that you have the power to do that. And I don't feel that I've never felt that what I've allowed to come in, 
was, you know, I never felt that it was bad coming mm -hmm. to hurt me or to cause problems. And I've never felt that the premonitions I've had caused any problem. I just, it's just something that you can either be open to or not. And maybe you might be very open, but you couldn't, you can't, can't quite grab, it doesn't happen. But I, I do feel you can protect yourself. I think that'll be comforting. So I want to honor your experience as well as your time. Is there anything else you would like to share before we, we finish our first episode? No, I, I, I think that I would, would like to share that this has been a very lovely experience. And it's since we are old friends, it's been delightful being here with you. And I can tell anyone else that's here that it felt nothing but good. I think it's an interesting concept, whether you believe it or not. And so I guess maybe the worst thing that could happen is they have to put up with a few bad puns, maybe? Oh, may I? No, I love your puns. But, <laughs> but some people may not, but I love them. So yes, I guess that would be the, if, if they don't like puns, <laughs> I'm sure you'll have one for them. They may want to stay 100 yards away from this podcast if they don't like bad puns. But but again, I really do want to have this be safe, sacred space for people to yes. share. And I feel that it is very much so. Uh -huh. And I think I would have felt that if I had not known you before. Well, I really appreciate that. So Patricia, thank you so much for being part of this first episode of my very first podcast. And I want to thank you for having a spirited conversation. It was a wonderful spirited conversation. Thank you for letting me join you. Thank you for listening to Spirited Conversations. Please like and follow Spirited Conversations on Facebook at Terry Kennedy 1111. T-E-R-I-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y 1111. If you have a personal story to share, please message me with a brief description of your experience, your first name, and email address. Sleep tight. Ooh.